Hey, and welcome back to the Cannaboom Podcast. This episode is a little different. It's a little crazy because we get political. And in general, I've tried to avoid politicizing the podcast. It's really about wellness and how cannabis can help you be more well. But these aren't normal times. We are more polarized than we've ever been. And in trying to weigh whether I would be alienating half the audience, I thought it through. I came across a quote from President John F. Kennedy who said, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in times of great moral crisis, maintain their neutrality. I don't know about you, I'm not up for inhabiting the hottest place in hell. So I thought we would give a soapbox to our guest, Bill Hill, who has started an organization called Smoke Out a Republican. Maybe Republicans don't want to be smoked out, but Bill's idea is to sit down and smoke a joint with someone and maybe it can help open their minds. So Give a listen. I think you might enjoy the episode. There's a lot of good stuff in it. If you like the podcast, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or your favorite podcast player, and please leave a review so other people can find the show. If you like the episode, I hope you'll share it with your friends so they can uh, be enlightened as well. And here's my interview with Bill Hill. Cannabis is booming, and Cannaboom is on it. Welcome to the Cannaboom Podcast, where we interview experts on the changing story of humans, health, and hemp. From San Diego, here's your host, Tom Stacy. Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to the Cannaboom Podcast. Today we have Bill Hill of Smoke Out a Republican. Hey, Bill. Hey, how are you? Really good. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. You are back east, right? Yep. I'm in the D.C. area. Oh, okay. The hot spot. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Lots going on back there. I'm, as we record this, today is a very big day as the second impeachment trial begins. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, we're a couple of hours away from the start of what's going to be a long and messy process, but a very necessary one and hopefully one that'll have a good outcome. We'll see. Well, tell us about Smoke Out a Republican. When did you start and, and what's your mission and how's it going? Yeah, so we actually started right after Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Um, but the experience of being a smoked out Republican and, and therefore a former Republican, thanks to cannabis, started for me anyway, 20 something years ago, um, because I was raised a Republican, a very conservative one. Um, and uh, then in my early 20s, I tried cannabis. And after a couple of times, I kind of went, oh, my God, I've been totally wrong my whole life about the way the world should work. Um, and basically, thanks to cannabis, I realized that everyone is a person. It's a very basic, simple idea for people who are not raised Republican. Um, but for Republicans, it's it's a like an earth-shattering revelation to realize like, oh, wait a minute, everybody's the same as me. Uh, everybody deserves to be happy just like I do. I'm not better than anyone. And uh, once I saw that and once people generally see that, you know, I couldn't go back to being a Republican. So as the country has descended into this terrible partisan insanity – um, and especially when Trump was elected, I decided it's time to spread the word. So we started in 2016 and it was pretty small, pretty local. We were doing some, you know, just talking to friends and, and acquaintances and doing some stickering out in public, uh, with our logo, uh, the smoked out elephant. Um, but then about a year ago, actually it was on April 17th, I think last year, uh, we decided to go digital. So we've got uh, a website, smokeoutarepublican.com. And we're on Twitter at SmokeOutARepub1. And the goal really is to let people know, first of all, that this works. This is a way to open people's eyes, um, that cannabis really does wake people up. Um, and I think people know that, but generally speaking, Republicans aren't the ones that are most likely to try cannabis. So 
what we want to do this year is to get 1 million Republicans to try cannabis. Um, and the thinking is that, like me, many of them will wake up uh, at least enough to say, oh, my God, I've been living this terrible, <laughs> this terrible, uh, immoral way of seeing the world. And I need to change. Not everyone will do that, certainly. Um, but as many as can do that, we should uh, we should give them that opportunity. Wow, that's a, a lofty goal. And do you have sort of a methodology? Say I want to raise my hand and say, yeah, I'm, I'm up for this. Um, what, what do I do? It's a great question. Well, the first thing we need to do is make sure that we don't spread the virus. Um, you know, I considered waiting until COVID was completely passed to really start pushing this because what I don't want to do is have people break quarantine or you know, get together with people and, and not be vaccinated. Um, so that really, if you're hearing this and you want to do it, please wait until you're vaccinated and whoever you're going to sit with and smoke with is also vaccinated or maybe do it over Zoom. That's also a possibility. Uh, but once we're all vaccinated, what we want everybody to do uh, is think the first thing you do is think about like, who might you do this with? You know, is it, do you know somebody who's a conservative or a Republican that you have a relationship with? You know, somebody who's a friend or a colleague, a coworker, maybe somebody in your family, maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. Um, or if you have adult children, maybe your kids, uh, not underage kids. We don't advocate breaking any laws at all. Um, but think about who might be interested. And a good way to sort of decide who that might be is, you know, does someone, does the person have interests that are creative interests or curiosity interests? So are they into lots of different kinds of music? Do they like art? Do they like movies? Maybe like they like to draw. Um, maybe they're interested in, you know, exploring other cultures or other religions. Any opening to seeing the world in more than one way or to being creative and artistic. People like that have the capacity to be interested in and enjoy and appreciate new experiences. And that really is what's... Um, what's important and necessary to find people that are going to be into this uh, and for whom this is going to work. Uh, and once you've thought of those people, then you just sort of say, hey, listen, I know you don't smoke or use cannabis, but you know that I do and I like it. And I thought, you know, do you want to try it? It's not a pressure thing. And you certainly don't want to say like, hey, you should stop being a Republican. Smoke this. That's not going to work. So it's it's very much of a just like reaching out to people that maybe you wouldn't have reached out to before. Um, and then inviting them to do it. And if they do it, and if they like it, great. Invite them to do it again. And there's there's sort of more to it. There's a process that follows that, of course. But um, it's really just thinking of people that could be interested, inviting them to share it with you in a safe way, um, and then just seeing where it goes. That's really interesting. So it's sort of a mind expansion concept. Have you used this in your own life? Has it worked for you? I have. Um, I definitely have. So... For me personally, with friends, with significant others, um, it has worked. And one of my favorite stories is uh, my partner now, when we first started uh, dating, um, hadn't really smoked before, uh, or she had a little bit, but hadn't really, you know, gotten high. And then uh, I smoked with her, and I remember we were listening to the Beatles, and uh, "Strawberry Fields Forever" came on, and she went oh, now I get the Beatles. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, see, that's how it works. Um, so there is that opening of the mind that happens. Um, but historically, it worked too. I mean, if you look at the 1960s, 
the people that were so many of the people that ended up, you know, at Woodstock or wearing tie dye or whatever, uh, the hippies, they started off as people with buzz cuts or horn rim glasses, you know, wearing neckties or poodle skirts. And they ended up, you know, liberated from that sort of square lifestyle. And a lot of that had to do with cannabis later with LSD, but initially, uh, with cannabis. So it is the, the liberating potential of it is tremendous. And I think the difference between now and like back in the sixties is that because of the growth of recreational cannabis and sort of cannabis culture, it's become much more about a cultivated personal experience, um, and less about a communal experience that's mind expanding. Um, but the potential for mind expansion, as you said, is very much there. And the potential for bringing people together that otherwise would be very separate, like Republicans and, and non-Republicans, uh, that potential is there. And, and we want people to sort of seize that potential. Well, that's a good point. And I think historically, it's always been, you know, Nixon hated people who consumed marijuana. He he wanted to kick John Lennon out of the country and he lumped black people and cannabis smokers together as mm -hmm. kind of undesirables, right? Oh, yeah. And that goes way back to the 30s and even before. I mean, the, the original prohibition against marijuana consumption, um, you know, dates back to the 30s and it was associated with Mexicans or, you know, the, that old word Negroes or whatever it is. And I'm a white person, so I acknowledge that... Um, that that's a word that may not be right for me to use. And so for those who may take offense at that, I do apologize and I won't use it again here. Um, but it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of racism built into cannabis prohibition um, and it's been taken advantage of by politicians. And so Ronald Reagan would be another good example. You know, the war on drugs uh, listed cannabis with cocaine and heroin and, and all these other, what I call kill you drugs, real drugs, if you will. Um, and that's an absurd association. So there's definitely in the mind of Republicans and on our website, I uh, smoke at a Republican.com. I've got a blog post about this recently called Republicans, the anti-stoners. And it gets into a little bit of why Republican leaders and Republican culture hate marijuana so much. And I think it has to do with a lot of myths, but it also has to do with a fear. Maybe it's an unconscious fear a fear of what cannabis really does, the good thing that it does, which is wake people up because it's very hard to continue to believe in, uh, you know, policies that help the rich over the poor or policies that exclude immigrants just because they're from, you know, the other side of a border or an imaginary line. Uh, it's very hard to stay actively sort of joyfully racist, which is a big part of <laughs> being a Republican in many cases this sort of enthusiastic, self-satisfied racism, all of that falls apart when you reach a certain threshold of, of using cannabis and your mind kind of escapes those terrible things. And I don't think that Republican elected officials or cultural leaders want that to happen, especially among the youth, because they want people to stay in their, in their fold. Um, but cannabis liberates people. And so it's very threatening to those established power structures. You put your finger on a couple things there. One is there's sort of a atavistic tendency, I think, for Republicans to want to roll things back to the 1950s to like this Ozzie and Harriet sort of Eisenhower era where people didn't smoke cannabis and women um, stayed at home and, and cooked and cleaned. And th there was a middle class, which there isn't much anymore. Do you see that? Definitely. I mean, and that worldview is now and was then a myth. 
um, you know, the fifties, the white sort of Ozzie and Harriet or father knows best, right. That kind of, uh, worldview, it didn't really exist. I mean, those households were, the adults in those households were often World War II veterans, a lot of whom were PTSD and alcoholic and violent. Um, the women were subjected to domestic control and, you know, a lot of, they, they didn't work and it was a very repressive environment for anyone who might've been gay. Uh, it was, highly militarized. It was the Cold War. There was a deep red scare going on. Um, people in Hollywood were getting blacklisted for being communists. And of course, segregation was real. It was pre-Brown versus Board. It was pre-Civil Rights Act, uh, pre-Martin Luther King. Um, but what's very interesting is that in the 1950s, you also had you like the beatnik generation, right? And you had um, poets that were uh, coming out of the post-World War II experience and creating the counterculture that then in the 1960s exploded across the country and across the world. Um, and cannabis actually was a huge part of that. You know, um, you might have called it tea or grass. And actually, it had started even earlier with like the jazz uh, movement and that sort of part of the world. And um, so the cannabis has always been there as an undercurrent. And Republicans do want to return to this sort of imagined earlier time where everything was perfect but it was if it was perfect for anyone it was perfect for a very very small slice of people and it was really bad for everybody else so um that's not something that we would recommend right and i mean times have evolved since then it, the, the world is more complex we have the internet and all that stuff we're networked in new ways but if you look at it sort of from an anthropological view would you say republicans are stuck at a certain stage of development and and cannabis might help budge them off that i don't know if it's a stage of development but i do think it's a worldview that has very serious limitations um it's impossible well let me put it this way it's not adaptive it's maladaptive to see most of the members of your species as not members of your species. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say that, you know, the tremendous inequality in this country um, and the crime and disease and deprivation and lack of opportunity that, that come from that economic inequality um, or racist racism based inequality are toxic. The, those are terrible things that should not exist. Um, and they're not good for anybody, uh, whether it's the victims of those things or the Republicans who live in fear or, you know, see their own hatred justified in the world around them. That's maladaptive. I mean, you know, human beings are social animals. We should be working together and things work better when we do that. Cannabis breaks down the artificial divisions that, for whatever reasons, Republicans see in the world. Um because they are really imaginary. I mean, part of the way that I see the world is that uh, there is only one group and it's called everybody and that any other um, ethnicities or, or nationalities or sexualities or anything um, that you might use to separate yourself from people or to put yourself above other people are just fantasies. They're just kind of historical accidents that you happen to believe in because you were trained into it Um and that your training is usually a result of accident of birth, right? And religion is similar, although I'm totally fine with whatever religion anybody wants to be. Um, 
but I think a, a major tendency among Republicans from an also, you know, an anthropological or a sociological perspective is to just really deeply believe whatever they grew up believing. In fact, that's a huge part of the identity. It's like, this is my heritage. This is my culture. You know, I was raised this way. And that's actually potentially a really bad thing. Um, just because that's the way you were taught does not make it right. Um, there's an independent thought process that everyone needs to do to ask themselves, well, is what I believe good? Is this good for me? Is it good for the world? Did my parents actually teach me something good? Or did they just teach me what they thought because they that's just what people usually do? And is this terrible? Um, that's certainly what I went through. And it's very jarring um, to question yourself and question your worldview and question the culture you're a part of and then to reject it. I mean, that's a tough, brave thing to do. Um, but that's why cannabis, I think, is really important because it lubricates that process. It makes it easier to be honest with yourself um, and to be critical of the world around you um, and to then reach the conclusions that naturally come from that self-examination. Well, that can be a scary moment too when you when you do question some of your basic assumptions. And you know, it seems to me that some of what you're saying is tribal-based. It's like an opportunity to move off of a foundation of tribalism and, and into something more like a universalism. Totally, totally. I, you know, it's <laughs> we tend to think that the world has changed a lot and that we're in this very modern period, but um, unfortunately, I do think that you know, as long as we still believe in even just countries, uh, you know, my position is that countries are completely imaginary. They always have been. Um, that there isn't a difference you know, that the land is what's real, right? Things you can touch are real and things that are just ideas in your head don't deserve uh, to be treated that real if they're going to be destructive. So yeah, the tribalism has gone to the scale of international law and militaries and nuclear weapons and everything. And it's all just kind of crazy nonsense. Um, it's a play that we're all acting in that we were all just born into the third act of and like no one's thinking about the fact that it's just a made up like kabuki theater. So cannabis can kind of snap you out of that. And I think that's really important. But you're right. It is really frightening. Um, uh, there's a, another post we did on our website about, um, you know, how high do you need to get to stop being a Republican? And um, we use we use this thing we made up called the banana scale. So um, you're going to go bananas, right? And uh, Basically, one banana is like, well, I'm eating chips, and two bananas high is like, we're giggling. Three bananas high is the sort of like, hey, man, did you ever think about level? And four bananas high is where you're actually in this space where you can like either have an interesting revelation or have a total freak out. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, jarring situation. But it's one that I think if you're with good friends and people who care about you, um, you can sort of get through it in a positive way and think of it as a good experience and something interesting that you want to pursue again. And that's why we want people, that's why we're not saying, hey, Republicans, go try pot. We're saying, hey, people who like cannabis, go reach out to Republicans because it's important to do it together with someone who's experienced and who likes you and can support you through it. How about the question of there are Republicans who do smoke weed and, and haven't yet awoken? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of those folks are one banana or two banana smokers. Um, uh, and that when they occasionally peek through to three bananas and, uh, you know, say, for example, because this happened to me, I was a Republican who smoked pot before I stopped being a Republican, right? Um, 
you know, I would get high and then it would wear off and I'd go right back to being racist and terrible. Um, so you have to reach a certain level and then you have to kind of embrace that level. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a really good friend uh, in college who was a Republican like me. And I was starting at that point to have these kind of quote unquote deep thoughts, you know, that can be a little jarring and, and self-reflections could be like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't want to question my religion or I don't want to be a communist or whatever. I've been taught that that's terrible. I, you know, I'm kind of freaking out. And uh, she and I were talking about this once and I was starting to actually kind of embrace those experiences and say, yeah, this is scary, but like, I'm going to pursue it. It's interesting. Like maybe it's going to show me something cool. And I asked her about it and she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like those deep thoughts. I like to back away from those. Those kind of scare me. I avoid those. So I think that Republicans who smoke weed, you know, if they smoke enough of it, they're going to kind of encounter those moments of potential you know, great leaps of, of, of revelation or enlightenment or even just interesting thoughts, but it, it can be kind of scary. And I think a lot of Republicans back away from that because a big part of being Republican is not self-examining. It's avoiding questioning yourself. Um, and actually the Republican culture is all about not, you know, sort of crossing that line, not questioning what you believe in. And if you do that, you're a weirdo or you're to be rejected. The other problem, I think, is that if you're smoking with friends um, and you get high enough to where you're like, hey, guys, did you ever think about like whatever? There's a decent chance that your friends are not having that same thought and they're going to make fun of you. You know, there's a social pressure element to this um, that if you're the one person who's like, wait a minute, guys, what about this? And you get made fun of or ostracized, you're probably not going to stick with that line of thinking. You're going to say, well, okay, I, you know, I, don't, I won't fit in if I do that. Um, so between the internalized cult cultural pressure and the external social pressure, it can be very difficult for someone who has that thought to pursue it. But I think for the most part, Republicans who smoke pot are like most people who smoke pot, which is they just like to eat chips and watch TV and laugh. And that's totally cool. I like that too. But that's not enough. There needs to be a deeper exploration than that. So what you're advocating is to kind of show up as a as a support person, create a, a safe space for kind of divergent thoughts, and, and then maybe even be the catalyst that spurs those thoughts. Very much so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, very well said. We all know Republicans who will up and down deny that they have a racist bone in their body. That's not what it's about. It's you know, fiscal responsibility and blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, what we've seen in the last few years, I think to a lot of objective observers would, would put the lie to that. Totally. I mean, no one wants to say, or very few people want to say I'm racist, right? That's, <laughs> you can't get that result out of a poll. You know, there will never be a CNN poll that says 95% of white people admit that they're racist. Like that's not going to happen, at least not anytime soon. It'd be really cool if it would. Um, but the thing about cannabis is it kind of guides you into that revelation. It guides you into that acknowledgement. Um, it opens up your willingness to be honest with yourself. Um, and it helps you think differently about your own experiences and memories. So you may, for example, when you're hanging out and you're good and stoned, think like, wait a minute, that one time when I said that thing to that person, was I, you know, it was a black person. Was I being 
hmm, they seemed upset, like maybe something I said was wrong. Or you might think, and this is a thought that I had because I was very anti-affirmative action. This was 20 years ago. I remember thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Slavery created a deeply unequal social situation. So maybe it is fair to give the descendants of slaves some compensatory support. Oh, okay. Now I get it. And nobody telling me that would have ever had that effect. That's the thing. What we don't want people to do is go to their Republican friends and say, hey, man, you should stop being a Republican. Smoke this. That's not going to work, right? It's much more of letting the cannabis do the work, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so it's subtle. You're not telling them that, that uh, of your motive. <laughs> You're kind well, of in stealth mode. And I mean, the example you just gave, yeah, if you're high, you might have a glimmer that, yeah, this is a multi-generational thing that is being worked out. It's a different thought than you might have if you weren't high. Totally. It's, it's you know, anyone who smokes knows that when you get high for real, not just when you get like a little bit, whatever, chilled out, but when you when you shift into that other mode of perception, um, which when it first happens is totally bizarre and it's not what you expected. And it can't really be described to someone who's never done it before. But when you shift into that other worldview, you do see things quite differently. Um, not literally. I mean, it's not a hallucinogen, but like you're, you think about things differently. Um, I will say though, that we're not, I'm not recommending that anybody be tricked or that motives be hidden. I would, I would say it a little differently. I would say that if you're reaching out to someone and inviting them to try cannabis, be honest about the fact that you think they would like this experience, you know, that you think that um, cannabis, they might like the way cannabis makes them feel. They might like the way cannabis makes them think. Because ultimately, if someone tries it and doesn't like it, or they get to that sort of four banana stage and they're like, ah, and they, they don't like it and they don't want to do it anymore, that's fine. That's fine. All we're saying is for, you know, for people who understand and appreciate the experience of cannabis to just make the, make it available and have a friendly invitation to your Republican friends. And a lot of Republicans aren't going to want to do it at all. That's fine. A lot of Republicans are going to try it and they're not, it's not really going to be their thing. That's fine too. Um, don't push and don't fight and don't argue. But for those who do like it um, and who do have those interesting thoughts, supporting, encouraging, guiding, um, is really, really, really essential. It's almost like having a guide, a Sherpa along the way, because, you know, we all know for some people getting four bananas high is a trigger for anxiety and, and paranoia. And it's a very, it can be an uncomfortable place if you're not with a friend. Very true. I went through myself some pretty serious freakouts, right? Um, and the good news is they wear off. Um, I just posted on Twitter a video the other day of, uh, it's a very nice woman who's in front of a beautiful cornfield or something. And it's sort of the video is like, so you got too high, you're going to be fine. And she kind of talks you through it. Um, and it's important to have somebody like that because yeah, it's a, it's an unstable situation. It's a creative unstable situation, but you're introducing something to your brain that is an accelerant, right? It's sort of like stepping on the gas. And if you don't steer carefully, you can run off the road. The good news is that 
nobody dies from pot and you know you're not going to do any permanent damage you're not going to end up like panhandling on the street like some crazy acid bum or whatever the stereotype is supposed to be that doesn't happen um that's the good news the bad news is that when somebody has a bad experience and they do happen if they're alone or if they're being made fun of that's the other thing sometimes somebody has a freak out and their friends are really not nice about it at all um then it's going to really turn them off to the experience but what's What's actually, I think, very interesting is that those moments of paranoia um, or freakouts come from a very important and interesting place because what a paranoid freakout really is at its bottom is the wrong realization that the world is like really bad in some way, like the cops are coming. They're not, but you suddenly think they are or everyone hates you. They don't, but you suddenly think that everyone does. And the reason it's scary, the reason you get paranoid and freaked out is that it seems very real all of a sudden, that your whole way of seeing the world has now shifted. And it's, it's, you're very certain that this is the way the world is. Well, I don't think that's good. That's scary and crappy. But what I do think is good is that it shows that the human mind has the ability to switch its ideas about the way the world works, to switch them very suddenly um, and to believe the new worldview very deeply. And that can be bad. You can be delusional, right? You know, the cops are not coming, right? But you can be very sure they are, but they're not. But what's interesting is the plasticity, the ability of the human mind to change the way it sees the world, that is the very thing that allows you to stop being a Republican, and that's what and, allows and this, <laughs> you to change the way you see the world. And so it's it's a very fertile, potentially good thing, but you have to be, you know, you have to work through the scary stuff. This is why Nixon hated um, cannabis. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if in the 50s, you know, he puffed on the devil's lettuce and was like, oh, I don't like this at all. Kind of a classic scenario with Republicanism is when it happens to – a Republican, they they can change their mind. For instance, Dick Cheney, very anti-gay for decades, and then his daughter comes out and he, and he flips. Mm-hmm. Um, in that way, maybe cannabis can be a life changer. It, it can, as you've been talking about, open your mind and and allow you to see things in a new way. It absolutely can, and I think culturally that can happen too. Because just like Dick Cheney, you know, the country over the last fifteen or twenty years shifted from being very anti-marriage equality and seeing gayness as this heinous thing um, to most Americans, you know, just saying like, okay, right? Like, fine. If you want to get married, great. I I acknowledge that gay people are human, (laughs) which is uh, absurd that that wasn't there in the first place. There are lots of historical reasons for it. None of them very good at all, Um, but it happened. And I think a lot of it had to do with activists and advocates for marriage equality and and you know gender and sexuality rights um, working extremely hard. There was a lot of pain and suffering and blood uh, and lives that were lost over decades and even centuries to get us to this point. Um, my hope, and I'm confident in this, is that we will not have to, you know, we're not having to go through that right now with cannabis. Um, it's getting legalized everywhere, thank goodness. But legalization is just part of the process. The cultural shift that takes place when people start using it with each other 
in a deliberate way and sharing it in a deliberate way, like we're talking about, that cultural shift, I think, will be, you know, it's similar to the cultural shift around gender and sexuality that's happening right now. And I think it's very important. To make a bad pun, it's a grassroots movement. It's, um, you know, <laughs> I like that pun. You can make that pun as much as you want. <laughs> what you are advocating is a, a one-to-one kind of peer-based movement where we just talk to each other a little bit more and with a little more open-mindedness. Do you get ridiculed for the idea? I mean, it's a, it, when you talk about it, it's a serious idea, but I know some people would see it as ridiculous. Yeah, there are definitely people who do. Um, and it's kind of a funny idea, right? Like if you, it's, it is kind of be weird to be like, oh, you want to change the world? Everybody get high. Uh, that's kind of a silly thing to think, uh, at least initially. But, you know, sometimes things that seem silly um, can also be really useful and, and can actually work. And so we think that uh, the fact that it is not a huge thing, we're not saying like, we need to change all the laws or like we need to overthrow the government. It's nothing like that. It's just like you said, literally all we're saying is reach out to somebody who you think might be interested, try it with them, be their friend while you're doing it. And if they like it, go for it, man, do it again and just hang out and be cool. And the reason that I think that's the the real like the catalyst for change is that fundamentally the main insight that will help someone stop being a Republican is making a connection with someone else. Republicans are very disconnected from their fellow human beings as part of, that's like part of the Republican identity. In some ways it's taken to an extreme with something like libertarianism, for example, right? Like I'm a radical individual, leave me alone. Don't touch my stuff. Um, but what we need to do is cooperate and what we need to do is see that we're all the same, not that we're all profoundly separate and cannabis can do that. So it's, it, uh, it's not a bizarre agenda. Uh, it's a very simple thing we're talking about and it works. It's kind of removing the demonization that we can all go to. We're so polarized right now where the other side, there's not a lot of these conversations happening, right? That's, yeah, that's another reason why we wanted to start this um, this year is that seeing how incredibly split the country is, this is really the time to do everything we can to bring people back together. Um, this isn't the only thing. Smoking out a Republican isn't the only thing that needs to happen to fix America. We're not saying that at all. Um, there's many other things that need to happen economically, in terms of education, in terms of uh, our political leaders not being horrible anymore. Um, and there's a lot of people working on all of that and it's all very important, but this, like you said, at a very grassroots level, smoking out a Republican builds a connection or rebuilds a connection that reminds us that we're all people. We're also all neighbors. We're all Americans. We're all in this together. And without rebuilding those interpersonal connections, even if we change the laws and everything else, without those interpersonal connections, there's still going to be a huge gap and a huge problem. If we do rebuild those interpersonal connections, two people at a time, right? It doesn't have to be millions of people all at once. It's just me and you or him and her or her and her, whatever it is. If we rebuild that fabric, then we're really doing the real work to reconnect the country. You've got the grassroots idea. You've got some bumper stickers. What else is happening? Are there chapters or how, how do you grow this movement? Great question. So right now our main movement is on Twitter. So uh, we're at smoke out a repub one. 
and we're gathering different groups together. So on the one hand, you've got cannabis activists and enthusiasts and businesses. Um, then you've got the resistor movement, so the sort of blue wave, Democrat, Biden-Harris people. And then there's also a small but growing community of ex-Republicans, former Republicans. Um, and Smoke Out of Repub 1, the Smoke Out of Republican presence is really at the intersection of those three things. So we're gathering people, connecting them with each other, and sharing this, this concept that you and I have been talking about. Um, and it's growing very rapidly. We've more than doubled just in the last month, and we're going to try to keep that going. Um, the blog posts that we're doing at smokeoutarepublican.com are really important. And eventually our hope, my hope is to gather them into a book, um, that's sort of like a how-to handbook. Um, and if you, if folks want to go check it out on our website, you know, it's kind of funny. We've got pictures, we've got jokes in there and links to different things, but the message is ultimately, you know, it's a serious one. Um, but we try to make it fun and highly shareable, um, and uh, so that's the stage right now. In addition to the book, I think what we're eventually going to start doing um, is smoke sessions. So getting people together uh, on Zoom or by other sort of digital means to all kind of smoke together, talk, hang out. We're not quite there yet, but I think that's going to start pretty soon. Um, and then hopefully once COVID is managed, uh, we would love to be, you know, to have people get together and try this in large groups. Um or even medium-sized groups, but again, in a safe way that doesn't spread viruses. So I see it as something that's going to build and build. Um, and we're at an early stage. I mean, we just launched our Smoke Out a Million initiative on January 1st. So we're not even a month and a half into it, but it's going great. And we want it to keep going. That is a big goal is a million. How do you measure your your progress on that? That's a good question. So once again, once people are sort of able to do this and get together again in person, um, we want people to kind of report out uh, and say, you know, here's what I did. I, I got together with my sister and, you know, she was a Trump voter, but, you know, she said she would try it and we did it and she hated it. So that's a fail. <laughs> <laughs> but then somebody else says, you know, I did it with my coworker who's always been my friend and we've never agreed on politics. And, and you know, we hung out and we had a really good time. And uh, we listened to Pink Floyd and he he was like, wow, I never heard Pink Floyd this way before. Oh, yeah. OK, good. Check. Right. It's it's coming along. So we want people to self-report. Um, but honestly, even if, uh, you know, I don't know if I have plans to track the numbers right now or anything like that. I think it needs to be something that's very organic. But we'll see. We, we may do a combination of tracking and reporting and, and just sort of letting it go out there into the universe and, and just continuing to pursue it. Um, and spread the word as much as we can. Right. I mean, that would take some of the fun out of it. And fun is kind of a part of it. You want people to enjoy this, to laugh, and to kind of get out of themselves for a second. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge part of it. And that's that's another thing. Like, it doesn't the Democratic Party, and I vote Democratic, but the Democratic Party has never really been able to figure out, like, how do we get people to change their minds to come with us, Right. And lecturing people about policy changes or telling people they're terrible, that's not going to work. So yeah, smoking weed is fun or vaping or eating it or whatever. You know, as long as you do it legally, um, it's fun. It's cool. It's relaxing. Um, and I'm, we're not even talking about the medicinal, medical and medicinal applications, which are tremendous and really good and important. But recreationally and socially, it's just, it's just cool. You just like hang out and have fun. Um and so, yeah, that's exactly what people should do. And, I, you know, that's, you're right. It's fun. 
<laughs> just the targeted action of, of bringing people along who, as you described them, as very disconnected. I mean, we've talked about Republicans as if they have, you know, a psychological <laughs> affliction that's in that big book. Uh, I forgot the name of it. But, oh, the psychology um, disorder book. Yeah. Yeah. DM, DMS uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do they? And is this, it's, a, it's again, it's a grassroots effort to just try to bring them along, but just the kind of lonely, disconnected people among us who cling to these tribal beliefs, is that, is that a fair way to put it? I don't think it's a psychological problem. Not at all. Um, I think it's a set of ideas that people get taught by their family, by the world around them, by their political leaders, that it's rational to believe something you're taught if it's taught in a way that makes sense, right? You're like, okay, yeah. well, yeah, fine. That's sure. But it's very socially destructive and it's personally destructive too. I mean, it's very easy to be filled with hate and anger and stress and anxiety um, and loneliness when you're a Republican because it's a lonely way to see the world. It doesn't mean your brain is broken, um, but it does mean that you're missing out on 90% of human experience because you've been taught that everybody who's not just like you is wrong. So of course you're going to miss those things and you're going to feel superior, but very lonely on the top of your mountain of perfection. And again, I used to be a Republican. I know this from firsthand experience. It is a mixture of feeling happy and proud that you're the best in the world and angry and scared of everyone else. And as a result, very isolated and lonely. Um, that's a shitty way to live. There's a much, much better way, and it's called dropping all those terrible things you've been taught and being a human with everybody else. It's really the best way. Well, let me ask you what you make of QAnon. Is that the logical extension of being angry and scared? I mean, some of these beliefs are just mind-blowing, but they've they've got a foothold. Yeah. Um, QAnon is possibly the most psychotic delirious, delusional phenomenon of mass manipulation in American history. I don't know who that person is, or it's probably a lot of people, but they're doing unbelievable harm to the country and the world and to the minds of the people that they've tricked. Um, and you're right, the, the substance of what they're saying is just flabbergastingly insane. But you know, I think it was Adolf Hitler who said the people will believe in a big lie, right? More than a small one. That's a terrible paraphrase, but I'm very comfortable misquoting Hitler because Hitler was the worst person ever. Screw him forever. Um, uh, but, you know, thanks to QAnon, you have a lot of people now getting into Hitler or whatever. It's And so it's really, really bad. Um, my personal opinion is that there is a conspiracy in the world. There's one conspiracy and it's the conspiracy of the rich to keep their money. And it really isn't any more complicated than that. Um, but everything else, Jews and Freemasons and pedophiles and aliens and whatever, it's all nonsense. Um, I will say this, if, you know, the tendency to believe in a conspiracy theory, I think comes out of a recognition that the world is not, you know, it doesn't work according to the usual story. Everything is not mom and apple pie, right? The world is a weird, messed up place. But that's a very delicate situation for someone to be in because then somebody like QAnon or Q or whatever could come along or other conspiracy theorists and say, yeah, it's not the way you thought it was. It's the, these people, Ooh, right. Um, but it's not, <laughs> it's not that arcane and complicated. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting. It's important to think about 
to think independently about the way the world works. But if your conclusion leads you to hate uh, and violence, then you've made the wrong decision. Right. It's a narrative and people cling to it. But again, I think it's a genius thing to bring cannabis into that equation and say, let's just talk and have a conversation and, and maybe we'll reveal that some of this is, is folly. That's exactly right. We covered a lot of ground and I feel like we could we could talk for a long time because there's so much happening right now. The soul of the Republican Party is up for grabs. You know, somewhere between Liz Cheney and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're, they're going to decide on on the future. Do you, do you have any, you don't have a crystal ball, but do you have any um, inkling as to which way this goes? I think in the near term, uh, the forces of the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world are going to continue to fight as hard as they can. Um, they'll pull out all the stops and they have no compunction. I mean, that's one big difference between Republicans and Democrats is that Republicans, political, you know, elected Republicans have no limits really about what they will do. And I think that's what we saw on January 6th. Um, so even if Trump gets convicted or even if Marjorie Taylor Greene gets expelled or Lauren Boebert or Matt Getz or any of these horrible people, um, the fight will not be over. And the need for resistors and democratic elected officials and others to continue to hold people accountable to win elections in 2022, as well as at the state and local level. People always forget that like there are crazy Republicans in state legislatures and governor's mansions in city councils. They all need to be voted out as well. The good news is there's a tremendous amount of energy and organization among Democrats and other progressives to boot these people out. And when they're out, they lose their platform. Um, and that's really important because it opens the airwaves, if you will, uh, to people who have a humane and rational message. Um, and the more people hear that, the better. So it's a long, it's going to be a long fight as it always has been. Um, and we hope that our little contribution of, of spreading some love with cannabis can help. Yeah. From a big perspective, it's what you've described as sort of a, a culture war promulgated by rich people who are protecting their wealth. But there's a lot of misdirection, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And through the, the perversion of our political system, you've got people who have aligned themselves with hate and intolerance. And the way to move off this is one conversation at a time in a mindful, intentional way. That's exactly right. Bob Dylan said, the executioner's face is always well hidden. And it's a terrible irony that the people who are, you know, MAGA supporters and the people that invaded the Capitol and really all Republican voters who make less than $100,000 a year, which is a lot of them, are voting against their own self-interest. Um, because if you're not affluent, the Republican Party is not going to do anything for you. Not really. Um, Thomas Frank's book, What's the Matter with Kansas from 15 years ago or 20 years ago now, is a fantastic read. If people haven't read it, it explains how the Republican Party uses, you know, social issues and identity issues to trick people, basically, into electing officials that are mostly just going to focus on tax cuts and deregulation um, and really do nothing uh, to improve the lives of the average working people that voted for them. Um, and that's Looney Tunes. And so uh, the good news is that enjoying cannabis is not a class issue. It's not a race issue. It's not a cultural issue. Everybody can enjoy it um, and enjoy it together. So 
hopefully, um, as this continues to, not hopefully, as this continues to spread, as our movement continues to grow, um, we're going to see more people waking up to the fact that their own self-interest is not served by voting Republican. You might toke up and then go, you know what? Maybe health care for everyone is not such a bad idea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, maybe, you know, maybe it's not right to just like keep black people trapped in poor neighborhoods and not, you know, and just fill it with police that beat the crap out of them or shoot them for no reason. Hmm. How about that? Imagine that. Or like maybe people who want to come to this country and work really hard should be allowed to do that, even if their skin is a different color than mine or they don't speak English. You know, um, maybe it's okay for multi-billionaires to pay a fraction of a penny on the dollar more, which they don't need and won't miss at all, so that children can have food to eat, right? Like, it's just so obvious, um, especially if you're a Christian, by the way, like the generosity um, and love that underpins Jesus's message. And I was raised a very, very conservative, serious Christian, Um the love and and kindness and cooperation that are at the core of Jesus's message are completely incompatible, completely incompatible with the entire Republican platform, basically, except for things that allow people religious freedom, which I think is a good idea. And and now there is no platform except for whatever Trump thinks. That's um, right. There's no platform. Um, yeah. And like right. you said, there's no bottom. There there is you know an insurrection is is not even close to the bottom. That's very true. And people forget that there's a, you know, we fought a civil war for God's sake. Um, and other countries show, including Germany in the 1930s, show what can happen uh, if you don't take these things seriously. I mean, Hitler attempted a, a coup, a putsch, right? In like 1923 or something, the beer mm -hmm. hall putsch, and it failed and he was arrested and imprisoned. And while he was in prison, he wrote Mein Kampf and then he got out of prison and the rest is literally history. So even if Trump is convicted, whether it's in the Senate or, you know, the New York attorney general gets them or something. Um, there are many other, other people, many other people that are willing to take up the mantle and charge forward. And, you know, Trump is a Trumpist. He's not a Republican. He's not a neo-Nazi. I mean, he may be, but his main thing is that he's for Trump, but in the wings, waiting in the wings are really bad people, active, enthusiastic neo-Nazis, and other horrible people that will be very glad to step in into his shoes and uh, make things even worse. And so, yeah, s arresting the the slide into craziness, pulling as many people out of it as possible now so that there's always going to be crazy people like that. But isolate, re-isolating them and getting them back out of the spotlight to show just how terrible their views are, that's probably the most important cultural imperative in America right now. Um, and cannabis can help. Cannabis can save us. Um, we almost had a moment's respite where we could breathe a sigh of relief that, you know, we were a hair's breadth away from from that being our future. And then January 6th happened. Uh, yeah. And we went, well, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I, the stress level uh, in my life, certainly, and, and the folks I know, and I think millions and millions of people, hundreds, 100 million people probably, the stress level just declined tremendously after Biden won the election. I think if Trump had won the election, uh, fair and square or otherwise, um, this would be a very different situation, a very dark situation uh, for us and for the world and for the future, right? Mm -hmm. He's the worst president ever, without a doubt. 
Um, and January 6th was, was a reminder, though, that it's not over. I think you're exactly right. Um, it's encouraging the FBI is chasing those people down. I hope they all go to prison for a long, long time. Uh, and the Republican members of Congress that went back to the House and Senate floor that evening and still voted to overturn the election results, even though they know that it was based on a lie. Because you either know that it's a lie or you believe it, and I'm not sure which one is worse. But if you're a member of Congress and you still, even after those crazy people were running through the halls, threatening to kill you, you know, because they don't, they don't know who you are. If they see that pin on you, they're not going to go, oh, that's a Republican congresswoman. That's not a Democrat. They're not going to know. They would have just grabbed you and done God knows what. They were a mob with their blood up um, to then go and vote with them on their side with Trump is there's not even a good word for it. It's not inexcusable. It's not unacceptable. It's something worse. So hopefully there will be accountability for those people too. It was insane. And you know, a better result might have been if they had smoked some joints and passed them around. And uh, you, know, you know, we did tweet, I did tweet a picture that morning of January 6th before they invaded the Capitol uh, of uh, uh, like an overhead shot of the crowd with just a big smoke cloud. <laughs> superimposed <laughs> over them just um, chill out yeah just chill y'all but again you know vaping a little bit of indica uh and then drinking a bunch of beer and going out and raising hell that's not gonna work right um it's it's about getting to four bananas in a peaceful calm way so there does it's not just about you know republican smoking pot it's about smoking enough pot in the right circumstances so I always ask guests, um, do you have a favorite uh, Canvas product? Um, do, you, do you have a favorite strain uh, for these conversations or a favorite product? Yeah, definitely. So I think Indica is not the way to go. Um, it's great for pain management. It's great for relaxation. But for mind-opening stuff and interesting conversations and introspection, which I think is critical here, a sativa or a hybrid, a sativa-dominant hybrid is going to definitely be the best option. Um I have a couple of ones that are my personal favorites. Wedding cake is a great one for this. It's very social if you're with other people, but it's also very um, expansive and almost philosophical if you're by yourself. Um, I would not recommend that first-time smokers smoke pot by themselves um, necessarily, uh, but wedding cake is awesome. Um, if you want to really get skedaddled, there's a strain called Bruce Banner, uh, which if, if folks remember The Incredible Hulk, that's the guy that becomes the Hulk. Um, Bruce Banner's pretty awesome. Uh, White Widow is great. Uh, and my personal favorite is Lamb's Bread or Lamb's Breath, which is very mellow and contemplative, but it has a pretty high THC count. Um, so it can it's quite conducive to, to uh, interesting thoughts. I will say that when I made my transition from being a Republican to not with cannabis, I was smoking like the dirtiest swag you know, mostly stems and seeds weed available, you know, that you would buy in like a crumpled up Ziploc bag kind of deal for $20. Um, and that worked just fine. So, um, <laughs> as long as you're not taking sort of a mind numbing, uh, Indica with you, um, it's, it's just a question of pursuing the interesting thoughts. Don't shy away from them. Even if they're a little frightening, um, see where they go. Cause they could take you someplace really interesting. Bill, is there anything we haven't covered that we should? 
I don't think so. I think if, you know, if folks want to know more and they want to visit us at Smoke Out of Repub 1 on Twitter or smokeoutarepublican.com, um, it's kind of all there. And um, you mentioned, by the way, that we have some stickers. We have downloadable images on our website, and you can feel free to download the images there for free and use them, um, uh, or to download images that we've tweeted, like our our fun little elephant with uh, smoking a joint um, and some other stuff. Those images are not rights protected right now because we want people to use them and have fun with them and share them. So um, please feel free to do that. Eventually we are going to be selling them uh, and so forth, but for now they're free. So check it out at smokeoutarepublican.com and smokeoutarepub1, and we will look forward to seeing you guys there. Very cool. We will look for that. And uh, will you have merch down the road? Can people wear a Smoke Out a Republican hat or something? Or Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're still working on the best vendor uh, and all that fun stuff. But yeah, definitely. Sign me up. I'll wear one of those. Right on. I'll uh, send you some free stickers. Absolutely. I'll put one on the, on the truck. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, Bill. This is it, this is a great message. It's a message of hope and uh, needed social change. So um, hopefully we can get this podcast listened to far and wide and uh, and help you grow the movement. Right on. I really appreciate it. It's all about it. the grassroots. <laughs> it's all about the grassroots. Weed can do it, as we say. And um, thanks to Cannaboom, man. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. You've been listening to the Cannaboom Podcast with host Tom Stacy. If you like the show and want to know more, please check us out at Cannaboom with a K dot com. And please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next week.